Mashiach now. This is a pre-recording for the seventh day of Bain Hamid stream, corresponding to the first Shabbat of the three weeks. So on Shabbat, all morning practices are suspended. Baruch Hashem. So currently it is prep day, and I am anticipating candle lighting, and then okay, let's let's get out of this morning. <laughs> So Baruch Hashem, uh, so just as a heads up, because as we get into Rosh Chodesh Av, uh, we will be uh, refraining from uh, meat and wine during the nine days leading up to Tisha B'Av. And um, on Shabbat, though, during those nine days, we will be able to have meat and wine. So Baruch Hashem. So uh, going on to today's letter, Zion, for the seventh day, wanted to speak about the Akedah because according to Cephas Emes, the first Shabbat of the three weeks corresponds to Pesach. And the following one will be corresponding to Shavuot. And the final one of the three weeks, which will also be Shabbat Chazon, is corresponding to Sukkot and uh, also by default Sheminiat Zeret because Sukkot includes Sheminiat Zeret. It's kind of like a one-two punch, but the second punch is hidden, kind of like that right hook you got to watch out for. But anyway, today, uh, speaking about the Akeda, if you go to Hosea, Hosea chapter 14 and verse 3. So Hosea Yud Dalid Pasuk Gimel. You see the phrase, Kehu imakem devarim, which is take words with you. And the rest of the phrase, Veshuvu el Hashem imru elav kol tisha avon vechatov un shalma farim. Sefatenu, which is take words with you and return to Hashem, say to him, forgive all guilt and accept what is good. Instead of bulls, we will pay the offering of our lips. So as a shalom offering, a shalem uh, of our lips. So we're offering our lips. And if you also saw that, uh, except what is good, so the good is connected to the Korbanot as well. And we know that good is the Torah. We know that good is Rabbono Sha'olam. And we know that good is also corresponding to the Zadik. So uh, that's a little Zohar drop. Uh, just to kind of connect everything. So basically having Hashem, his Mashiach, and the Torah is the good that you have to bring with your teshuva and the words that you have to return to Hashem, which is amazing because we have the fact that when we do Yom Kippur, when we do the Vidui, when we do Avinu Malkinu, when we do Tachnun, uh, and the different penitential prayers uh, known as the Slikot, 
we have all these different ways that we take words with us and return to Hashem, and they're basically bound up with Tov. So Baruch Hashem on that. So the first letters, the Rosh HaTevot, as they like to say, the initial letter of the phrase, take words with you, you have a Kuf, an Ayin, and a Dalit. Those rearrange to Ayin, Kuf, Dalit to make the word Akkad, which is the root of Akedah. So in other words, you're making the word of Hashem and Akeda in your place to bring you to a state of repentance. This is interesting because did not Shaul Hashliak write to the congregation of Colossi, you know, uh, crucified with Mashiach, right? So let's go ahead and go to that passage real quick. Today, just as a heads up, it will be a longer um, episode just because been in a time crunch this week, but uh, we're good now. So, uh, let's see here. We have, what verse is it? Oh, Sleek Eye, it is, it is to the congregation of Galatia. My bad. Okay, it says, I have been crucified with Mashiach, and I no longer live, but Mashiach lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by emunat, by the faith in the Son of God, which we know, by the way, is the word. Rabbi Malit Shlita has a beautiful short uh, drasha that he posted on YouTube uh, via, I forget which uh, ministry posted it, but it was a beautiful, it was a one minute video and he talks about who is the son of God. And it was a beautiful, beautiful explanation, but basically it is one who is bound up in the word. So if you're not in the Torah, if you don't have the, the word of Hashem, clothing you then you're not technically uh in the sun so anyway it says who loved me and gave himself for me so the word of hashem offered itself for us which connects to the breaking of the tablets because the letters departed from the tablets and that's likened to the the Zadik is likened to the destruction of the temple. Know that Yeshua, he said, and it says he gave up the ghost, which is the same thing that happened to Yaakov when he died. It says that Yaakov never died because basically it was a whole uh, section about him giving up the ghost. And it, um, let's go to the verse. I'm going to be real, real technical because. Sometimes you get into uh, a sourceless mode and you can easily confuse things as you just saw that I did with Colossia versus Galatia. So if we go to Bereshit 49, uh, it's, it says in uh, Bereshit 49, 33, Vaikol Yaakov le Zavot et Banav 
ve'erva yesof raglav et hamate vayigva va yeasef el amav. So it says, when Yaakov finishes instruction to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, breathing his last. He was gathered in. To, he was gathered to his people, and he uses vayigba, which means he expired. And one translation says he gave up the ghosts. So now, let's source out. Yaakov never died. Uh, we're gonna go with Ain uh, Yaakov Tanit one uh, section fifteen says. So think a Rabbi Yochanan drop. Where do we have it here? Yes. Thus Rabbi Yochanan, or thus said Rabbi Yochanan, Yaakov, our father, never died. So let's back up a little bit. Um, okay. So he just goes. It's a it's a whole conversation they're having, but. Uh, we'll back up here to Flames of Faith 2318. Flames of Faith is uh, a beautiful commentary uh, from New York Kodesh Press 2014. So I see here we're sourcing out. What are we sourcing out? Okay. Here we go. It says the plague of pestilence was a plague of death, and it corresponded to Teferit. Teferit entails balance and harmony, and it is also called Rachamim, which is compassion, and Emet, which is truth. Truth requires a balance. A man of truth will sometimes display chesed, and at other times he must display gevura. Truth is eternal and everlasting. The hallmark of falsehood is its transient nature. Transience. That's the hallmark of falsehood. If something is super transient, then it is false. It goes on to say, our forefather Yaakov, the paradigm of Teferit, was a man of truth. According to our sages, our forefather Yaakov never died. Since pestilence corresponded to Teferit, it caused death in the realm of evil. So they just connected Yaakov to truth which is not transient and enduring forever. And that is Yaakov, which is Teferit. And basically Yaakov never died. Okay. So a couple of different sources that are out there to bring that down about Yaakov never dying. You can also check out, um, let's see. Nope, that was it. Just those two. All right, Baruch Hashem. So back on track over here. Uh, 
when we look at the fact of the the word offering itself up for us as an Akeda, remember the ram that was supplied was sent from Hashem. It was a supernatural ram. And even before then, Benny B actually taught that the lamb was slain before the foundation. So going on to look at the Targum on, we have to tie hand and foot also means to bend. And it's here below. So, and uh, that is from the Vayikra Rabbah. No, Genesis Rabbah 56. Sourcing this out. And uh, I really want to know what Hashem bound. So Vayikra Rabbah Sonsino 56 uh, has a beautiful drop apparently about what Hashem was binding as Abraham was binding. So that's interesting. Because if you go with Mita Kenegah Mita, Abraham, there's no one like Abraham. There's no one like Hashem. That's a Talmud drop. And now uh, whatever Abraham is doing, Hashem is doing. So Abraham was binding his one and only begotten son. So Hashem was binding his one and only begotten son. Interesting. Going on, it says Akud, which is the same letters, different vowel points, refers to tying Foreleg to hind leg, like the tying of Yitzhak. And it says ragul, feet, refers to the bending the forefoot upward and tying it to the foreleg. Another meaning of akeda or akad is to sacrifice as if you offered yourselves, according to Rosh Hashanah 16a. And then it goes on to say, this typifies Yitzhak, who was tied and offered up on the altar. You can also see Gitin 57b. And it says, you, Abraham, have put up one altar, but I have put up seven altars, offered seven martyred sons. A lot of it up as uh, the context, so there's not the full actual drop. But since you now have the uh, the coordinates of the source, you can actually read the whole thing. Another meaning of akad means to be tied up, to be put on the altar, the one ready to offer the sacrifice, or the or slika, the one ready to sacrifice, the other to be sacrificed. So. Basically, the Akidat Yitzhak includes Abraham because Abraham had to be ready to offer him. Hence, Abraham saying, Hineni, here am I, I am ready. And then the one has to submit himself to that, namely Mashiach. Remember when he asked his father, Father, let this cup pass for me. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your And earlier, we read in the gospel accounts that you have Mashiach basically doing the same thing Abraham and Yitzhak did because the Midrash says that the questioning back and forth between Yitzhak and Abraham, it was basically 
Yitzhak coming to an understanding, oh, I'm the Corbin. I'm going to be offered up. And he's like, okay, well, tie my hands real tight because I don't want to invalidate the sacrifice. And Abraham had to walk towards the mountain knowing three days ahead of time that his son was going to die. And somehow he's going to have to be resurrected because this is the legacy. This is the seed of promise, the son of promise, Slika, that Hashem offered me. You know, he gave me this son. So obviously he's going to see it through. So for three days, it was considered as Yitzhak was dead in the eyes and in the mind and in the heart of Abraham. But yet he knew at the end of that time that his son would be resurrected. So basically, we see the picture of dead for three days and resurrected on the third. So that's already seen in the scenario of the father and his one and only begotten son. So just a couple more, because there are so many things to say here. Uh, it also says to tie and to offer, to be tied, to be put on the altar. So again, we're talking about the Akeda, and this is all about the words that are to be tied and put on the altar. Now, interestingly enough, the Acheron HaTevot, the, the last letter, of this phrase, of, of each of these words of this phrase, vav, mem, mem, which the gematria of that is mem is 40. So you have two of those, that's 80. And then you have the vav, which is six. 86 is the gematria of Elohim. And it is also the gematria of teva, which is nature. So the concealment of the Holy One, blessed is he, is considered to be teva, nature. Hashem is considered to be hidden in nature, concealed in nature. This is why creation reveals the majesty of Hashem, right? So then you have the fact of Elohim. Now, remember what I said the, the letters of the ram rearranged to? They rearranged to Elohai, which is my God, which is saying my Elohim, basically. So you have the connection to Elohai, Elohim, and you also have Eli, which is my God, as in El, Aleph, Lamet. And you have all this literally, pun intended, bound up in the Akeda and the whole passage about Teshuvah. Now, this is important because if you open up your Sidur to the Akeda, it says... Avodat or Avodas, HaKodesh comments that the Akeda should inspire us to attain greater love of God and to follow the example of Abraham and Yitzchak. Arizal teaches that the recitation brings atonement to someone who repents sincerely, for he identifies himself with the two patriarchs who place loyalty to God above all other considerations. Binding yourself to the Father and to the Son, binding yourself to the patriarchs, binding yourself to the Word of God, binding yourself to Hashem, binding yourself to the Torah. That is the Akedah. And when you recite these words, it is the epitome of Hosea 14.3. So now, 
One of the other crazy things is 14 is you Dalit, which is David, or uh, the same gematria is David, because David is 14, but you Dalit is hand. And then you have the Gimel, which is connected to chasing after the poor one, because when you learn the meaning of the letters of the alphabet, why are they in the order that they're in? It says Gimel chases Dalit. And you also have the fact that the Gimel is connected to Gimelut Hasidim, according to Sephirotiot. There's a book of letters uh, that I did last year. Uh, if you go back to the Bain HaMetzrim series, uh, that was one of the sources I used. But Gimelut Hasidim, acts of kindness. So remember, Abraham is connected to Chesed. But what's Gimel the first letter for? Gevura. Who is that? Yitzchak. So you have the whole connection to the the uh, the kindness and the severity, which is remember to ferret it's truth. And who is that? Yaakov. Yaakov is the one who is also called the Lamb of God, the one who never died. Hallmark of truth. So truth is offered up and bound up, and that connects you to Abraham and Yitzhak, the Ram, Elohai, Brukashem. So the other part about this. As it says, Hashem Yireh, which literally translates as Hashem will see, i.e. God will see the mountain where the Akedah took place as the appropriate site for his temple. So therefore, going to the temple is likened to going to the grave of a Zadik. Why? Because there was a Zadik who passed away there. But there's also a Zadik who was resurrected there. So that's powerful because remember the, the Zadikim who have passed away and haven't been resurrected yet. Uh, people go to their graves and the graves are full because their body's there, right? But if we go to the grave of Yeshua, his body is not there. Just like when you go to the temple, you don't find the body there. So empty tomb. And then you have the fact of indeed the Akeda took place on the future Temple Mount. That's from Unkelos, Unkelos, Slika. And then alternatively, God will see the Akeda as a source of merit for the offspring of Abraham and Yitzhak from Rebenu Baki. Now, why is this important? Because this all connects us to Pesach. So Rashi, bringing it down, Shemot 12.6 says, this expresses the idea of examining and the text therefore implies that it requires examination against any blemish during the four days before slaughter. So there's four days before the Corbin is offered up. Those four days, interestingly enough, match the four days between Yom Kippur and the beginning of Sukkot which according to Torah Wellsprings corresponds to each letter of the divine name. So think about that with the four days that you go to keep your uh, Corbin Pesach uh, safeguarded. So it's literally covered in the name of Hashem and you have to keep it safe from blemish. And it says, uh, this is a Pesachim 96a about the four days before the slaughter, keeping it blemish free. And it says, why did he offer that it, why did he order that it should be taken from the flock four days 
for the slaughter. Something he did not command in respect to the Paschal Lamb that was our succeeding generations. This is the only time Matya, which is interesting because, you know, Matthew is Matya, and here's a rabbi, rabbi Matya, <laughs> uh, which, by the way, literally means gift of Hashem from the word Matan, like Matan Torah, to give a gift. Matana is the word for gift. And it says, the son of Cherish said in answer, behold, it, scripture says, Ezekiel 16, 8, and I passed over you, an allusion to God's passing over the Israelites in Mitzrayim, and looked upon you, and behold, your time was the time of love. Therefore, or there had arrived the time to fulfill the oath which I had sworn to Abraham to redeem his children. They, however, possess no divine commands in which to engage in order that they should merit to be redeemed. Side note interruption source. Um, you know that one thing about us meriting the final geula? Well, one of the things about meriting the redemption is having mitzvot in your hand. Remember the, the parable of the ten virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom to open the door. And it's like, do you have oil in your lamp? Because if your lamp runs out, you got to go get more oil. Guess what the oil is? It's the divine commandments. Because that keeps your lamp lit. And it also is causing you to be brought into a time of love because you have at least a mitzvah that you're holding on to. Which is the important thing about Torah observance. Sometimes we blow through mitzvah because... This is just what we do. But you have to remember the power of one mitzvah because the important thing about being a community of Jews, which is the body of believers, the body of believers is Jewish people. We are to be called out, set apart people walking in holiness. We have to remember to look out for each other that sometimes there's people who struggle just to put on their tzitzit. And when they do put them on, it's like this huge win. There's greater rejoicing, you know, over one sinner who repents, right? So we have to think about the fact of, did someone do hand washing, like netilat yadayim? Which, when you follow out the halacha of that, which means that's connected to different mitzvot, whether it be Torah study or someone who just used the restroom to bless Hashem, uh, whether it be connected to the Shema or about to partake of a meal uh, that consists of bread or fruits or things that you'll be dipping. You know, you have all these different things. And then there's the afterwaters that's connected mystically to so many things and also practically. Uh, you have the fact of women covering themselves up. They're not dressing like a, pardon the, the phrase, moan. They're not being ratchet. You know, that's a divine command that's being met. And that causes a time of love and that causes merit for redemption. So may it be so that we all hold on dearly to every mitzvah that we do and try to do as many as we can within reason and with the parameters of sustainability there's nothing worse 
than picking up too many things and then dropping them and watching them shatter. Think about the the proverbial, you know, you're carrying all of your things that you're moving in boxes. And because you picked up too many items at one time, you drop something and it breaks. That can happen with mitzvah keeping, that you rush into so many uh, stringencies, you rush into so many uh, different um, customs, so many different traditions that you want to try to do. And then you drop one because you're trying to figure this one out and you forgot about the other thing over there. But, you know, the tortoise and the hare, slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. It's not given to the swift, but to those who endure kind of thing. Back to the source of Rashi. He says, as it is said, Yehezekiel 16, 7, you were naked and bare. Being naked is being empty of mitzvot. So think about that with Adam and Hava in the garden when they ran and put on fig leaves, which Yeshua cursed the fig tree. Also, Hashem cursed the fig tree. Did anybody read that Haftarah in Hosea when we read that? But anyway, um, yeah. So just because you're naked and bare of mitzvot, you can't go run to the fig tree, which, by the way, is the Torah. Torah is likened to a fig tree. Because there's always some new insights available, just like a fig tree should always have some fruit. But guess what was not with the fig leaves that we covered ourselves with? Matters of Torah. So we were hiding behind the proverbial fig tree without any fruit, which means we were acting like, oh, Hashem, we're so righteous. We love you. But yet our hearts were far from him. Empty of mitzvot is not a good thing. Uh, so with that being said, it's, Rashi brings down, this is bare of all merit earned through the fulfillment of God's commands. You know, many people tell us not to follow the commandments. And those people who tell us this are obviously not Jews. Uh, and if they are, then chasve shalom that that continues to be spoken from their lips we're in three weeks so let's let's uh pray for one another in that aspect but also remember the the account in the talmud about the fox who was trying to tell the fish hey come out of the water it's it's safer over here you're you're going against the current you know you have all these different things that are trying to get you but if you come out here and you be with me, then everything will be fine. And it's just kind of like, but that's a fox, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, goes on to say, he therefore gave them two commandments, like a two-piece special, you know, a two-piece suit, if you will. Let me get your garments and your head covering kind of thing. He gave him two commandments relating respectively to the blood of the Pesach lamb and the blood of the circumcision. Now, we're in Parsha Pincus, and one of the things about the broken bob, according to the Zohar, is about the bob being connected to the Brit Milah. So, yeah, so there's a yod at the top of the bob, and we don't normally notice it. But when the bob was broken, now we notice the yod, and that's connected to the circumcision. So I don't want to get into all the details of that. But um, if you just kind of think about it for a second, 
the the whole aspect of the circumcision revealing the yod and everything like that uh you can go there with that but i'm not okay so anyway it goes on to say that they had these two commands and it says for that night they circumcised themselves as it is said Yehezekiel, ezekiel 16 6 when i passed over you i.e when it was pesach I saw you wallowing in your bloods. The word blood is in plural, i.e. two kinds of bloods. Further, it states in Zechariah 9.11, as for you also, because of the blood of the covenant, I released your prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. And they are, and yet another reply to this question, that because they sunk into idolatry, had no merit gained by the practice of the divine command. He said unto them in verse 21, draw, which is mem, sheen, kaf, bav, mishku. It says, withdraw your hands from idols. And vekehu lakam zon. And take unto yourselves the lamb. Now think about this, because what did we just talk about in Hosea 14.3? What do we need to take? We need to take the toe. We need to take the, the words with us. We need to come with teshuva, drawing away from idolatry. This is in Exodus 12.6. And it says, take unto yourselves the lamb to fulfill a divine command. Rashi is citing the Makilta de Rabbi Yishmael on Shemot, Exodus 12, 2. The Midrash says in Bereshit Rabbah 56, 3, and Abraham placed the wood of the burnt offering on Yitzhak, his son, like a man who carries his cross on his shoulder. Yes, it did. He went there. And according to Sonsino, it has stake with the footnote saying the stake upon which he is to be executed. Shemot Rabbah 44.5 says, the Midrash explains why Moshe invoked the merit of all three patriarchs. This is in reference to the golden calf. So I'm going to skip down to Yitzchak. And it says, and if they're liable to death by the sword, because, you know, there's the death punishments of the burning, the sword, uh, strangulation, uh, and uh, killing. So there's all those different ones. So it goes on, to, which is interesting because all of them mean kill. Let me go over here to my little note real quick. Um, strangled. And... Let's see, the four death, just to quote, this is the Mishnah Sanhedrin 7. So yeah, the, the killing uh, is, it says the executioners cut his head, cut off his head with a sword the way that the monarchy does when a king sentences a person to death. 
So beheading. Wow. So you got strangling, burning. You got death by the sword. So yeah, those are those are the death penalties. Okay. So Moshe is bringing this down because we were under the death penalty. So he's interceding for us by saying if we're liable to the sword, i.e. if we need to have our head taken away, i.e. the head of Yisrael, the one who is the Zadik, which is interesting because the head was lifted up. Uh, that's namely Mashiach. And it says, remember for the sake of their forefather Yitzhak who extended his neck on the altar to be slaughtered for the sanctification of your name and let his killing by the knife count as the punishment in place of the killing by the sword of his descendants. Another penalty, by the way, for sin is exile, which atones for all sins. Just a side note on that. And the sanctification of Hashem's name uh, is described in Genesis chapter 22. So the Akidah is about the sanctifying of Hashem's name. So in the insights, it talks about a virtual sacrifice. And here's the underlying parts because it's a long insight. If you need this insight, it's Bereshit Rabbah 44.5, Pasha, or Slika, Shemot Rabbah 44.5 uh, from Parsha Kitisa. So everything that I just mentioned, Shemot Rabbah 44.5. Okay, if you need a quick way to remember it, 44 is the gematria of blood, and five is the five books of Torah. So the blood of the five books of Torah, that passage of the Rabbah for Shemot, Parshakitis. So virtual sacrifice from the insight says, Isaac's willingness to be slaughtered by divine edict was a source of merit for his descendants. Heaven, uh, Slika. Other sources, however, lend a deeper perspective to the matter it may be true that Yitzhak was not slaughtered according to the reality of this world, but in heaven, a different reality prevails. This heavenly version of what transpired at the Akeda, the binding of Yitzhak, is alluded to in scripture for God, when possessing his determination to preserve the Jewish people in exile, avowed that I will remember my covenant with Yaakov, also my covenant with Yitzhak, and also my covenant with Abraham, I will remember. Vayikra 2642, the Medrash, Sifra Ad cited by Rashi, there notes the word remember appears before Yaakov's name and is repeated after Abraham's, but it is not associated with Yitzhak. The Midrash explains, or that explains the Midrash is because when it comes to Yitzhak, God does more than remember his merit. He actually keeps his ashes before him at all times piled up on the altar in front of his throne. Evidently, in the in God's eyes, the Akeda was carried through to its conclusion. So as it is on earth, as it is in heaven, the prayer that Mashiach teaches us to pray, come on now, on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. So then it says in the sources, we find the image of Yitzhak's post-sacrifice remains was beheld by certain mortal beings as well. 
So when it says we found the place for the altar to build the temple, it says we found the ashes of Isaac. So the thing is, those ashes are not really there to behold by everyone's eyes because the ashes are actually in Shemayim. But this is some kind of astro projection type thing. And those who have eyes to see type thing, because that's the only way you'll see the ashes of Isaac, which is the whole thing of understanding the Akedah of Yeshua. Those who have eyes can see it. Okay. Sorry for yelling. Kind of. It says the Talmud relates that when the Jews returned from the Babylonian exile and began the construction of the second temple, they had no definitive tradition concerning where to position the altar. Their doubts were not resolved until they found a spot marked with the apparition. Come on, man. The apparition of Yitzhak's ashes on the heavenly altar, Zevakim 62a. Why is this important? Because the altar on earth is directly beneath the altar that's in heaven. You know how the stars align and the portals and the parallel universes and all that kind of stuff, as you see in Thor Dark World, when it talked about all the different worlds coming into alignment and you can literally jump from world to world. Uh, that's the temple. So the place of the ark is the place of God's throne. This is why the ark is known as God's mercy seat, because that's literally where the throne of Hashem is located. Uh, and then you have the fact of the, the ashes before Hashem. Uh, yeah, because there's a heavenly altar and that's where those are placed. So the whole thing about the Temple Mount, Jerusalem and all that kind of stuff, there's, they're all aligned. <laughs> okay. I put my stuff down because I'm just... Excited. Okay, so picking back up over here. Rabbi Kaim, that to Abraham, the word of God was was an absolute reality. The word of God was an absolute reality. Once he understood that God had commanded him to take a knife and slaughter Yitzhak, no power in the world could stop him from carrying out his duty. This is what I want to say to us for the Bain Hametrim. Is the word of God real to us? Is the redemption real to us? Because nothing should be able to stop us. We should be steadfast and immovable, as Shaul writes to the Corinthians, or shall we say unstoppable? Nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? Because we know the love of God is actually his Torah. Because why? Gematria of love is 13. The gematria of 13 is also the same as Echad. Hashem is Echad. His Torah is Echad. And Yisrael is Echad. So Echad is also connected to the Torah. This is why we talk about the Shema being the ultimate fulfillment of the Torah. So strong was Abraham's acceptance of his task and so unyielding his will that from the moment he received the command, the act was as good as done. And Yitzhak could be reckoned as a mound of dust. That's from the Devere Code Show, Vayera 22.10. So I'm going to jump down. His prayer was received with favor. Can be seen from the very next verse, verse 14, Genesis 22.14. 
which states that it will forever be said that on the mountain Adonai, on the mountain of Adonai, it will be seen. According to Medrash Tankuma Vayera 23, cited by Rashi also there, this means that the ashes of Yitzhak will always be kept in view before God, piled on the altar and ready to be uh, ready to atone for Israel with their merit. So I talked about the body of Mashiach on the tree is similar. So this is kind of the, the strange and disturbing truth about um, different places where you'll see the body of the Messiah still on a crucifixion uh, emblem. That to a certain extent, the lamb offered before the foundations of the world, you know, the, the Akedah of Yeshua, uh, it, it, it basically is always before Hashem. But it doesn't look obviously like that, just like the same way the ashes of Yitzhak are before Hashem at all times. Well, guess who's bound up in that? That's Mashiach, because remember, that's the ram. So when we talk ashes of Isaac, there's also the ashes of the ram. It's the ashes of the word of God, the letters of the tablets, you know, because we think about when the Torah is offered up, you know, it's offered up on the altar. The altar is the place of the Akedah, which, by the way, Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer brings down. This connects to Yom Kippur, which was the day of Abraham's Brit Milah and his blood established the altar upon which the Akedah was offered. So now we're still looking at two bloods. We're looking at the blood of the circumcision and we're looking at the blood of the, the sacrificed lamb. So final point here. This is the Akedah of Moshe as this prayer is going on because it says, thus it was a result of Abraham's supplication one that serves as a model for efficacious prayer until today, that Yitzhak is considered as if he were actually brought as a Corbin. It is no cause for wonder then that Moshe was able to pray, let his killing substitute for the killing of his descendants. So I wrote in the margins here, ultimately fulfilled in Yeshua when we say may his name be blotted out because Moshe was all about if you're not going to forgive these people then erase me from your Torah blot me out and Hashem was like no I'm not going to do that and uh, you know I have this promise I'm going to fulfill anyway because I have to fulfill my promise to Abraham so this is Moshe saying offer take me instead of the people and this is a beautiful thing about Hashem accepting that, that prayer, you know, the same way he accepted Abraham's prayer. And it all goes back to the Akedah that was offered up. So Moshe's name didn't have to be blotted out because ultimately the name that was erased and blotted out, i.e. through being offered up, uh, that is the ram that's Yitzhak that's also Yeshua this is why when people call him Yeshu they're actually attesting to in a very disturbing way that yes that was the one that was offered up who should be blotted out uh, for the sake of 
the descendants of Abraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov to be uh, atoned for. So, may it be so that Hashem looks upon the merits that is the all the mitzvot that we're striving 